Welcome to the Go Time Podcast. Go Time Podcast. With your host, Todd Martin. All right. Welcome back to the Go Time Podcast with another edition of The Todd Father. Um, if you haven't listened to one of The Todd Fathers before, this is usually just a conversation that I have um, pertaining to my kids. I want things that I want them to know in the future. Um, I don't know, in case someday I'm not around. Um, and I would like to be able to speak into their lives at any time. Also, um, I don't know, I reckon there's quite a few kids out there that don't have a father to speaking into their lives. And so um, maybe it just gives them a little bit of answers um, to questions, important questions that they might, and questions they might find important, um, things that I find important. Today's episode of The Todd Father is on marriage. I was a little reluctant to do this one. It's taken me a bit to try and get this one out, mostly because um, there's quite a bit that um, as a father, uh, I feel like I'm kind of a hypocrite on. Um, I talk about oh things like uh, forgiveness, and then I'm kind of crappy at being able to do it. I talk about, you know, doing the right thing. And, you know, there's a lot of parts where I don't do the right thing. Um, and I've kind of realized that I'm a lot of an example to my kids on what not to do more so than what to do. Um, but uh, even though, I, you know, I'm an example of what not to do a lot of times, um, there are right answers. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to be a perfect example. Um but I should be able to guide them to the things and the one who is a good example. So a lot of the question, a lot of the deals on marriage is what is marriage? Um, who gets to define what marriage is? Well, I'd say the one who defines what marriage is. Same thing as the one who defines your worth and your value. It's the one who created marriage. Um, that's who gets to say what a marriage is. Is a marriage just a piece of paper? Well, um, I would say no. It's not just a piece of paper. And what do I base that on? I mean, how, you know, I mean, it can't just be a piece of paper for some um, if that's what your word is worth. If that's what your idea of well, we'll go back to the definition of what a marriage is. A marriage is a covenant. A marriage is a contract. It's not a piece of paper. I mean, you sign a piece of paper saying you were going to pay for the house that you bought. You did it with the bank. You did it with the car that you bought, if you bought it and got a loan for it. Anything that you've gotten a loan, you did a contract with the bank saying, I promise to pay you on a monthly basis. And, um, and if not, you get to take it back, you get to repossess it. But the contract wasn't that looking for the repossession, the contract was made promising that you would pay for it, that you 
under the contract would be in a man of your word or woman of your word. And that whenever you sign that contract, you're saying that I contractually will do what I promised so long as you do what you promised. So you promised as a bank to supply me the money to buy my house or you will carry the note on my car. And in return, I will pay you per month with interest X amount of dollars for that house or that car or whatever it is. But that's what a contract is. It it is actually more than a piece of paper, right? If it was just a piece of paper, then, and if you treat it like that, then then I guess you, you know, you may let your car get repossessed. Um, And rightfully so, those people that you signed the contract with said that you would do it. And if not, they would get to take it back. Well, so the contract or a piece of paper that a marriage is, is actually, it's actually the only time in current times that we get to have an actual contract covenant with God. That's who oversees this. It's a contract between you, your spouse, and God. And it's um, it's binding. I mean, it, it, it is more than just a piece of paper. It's a lifelong commitment. It's something you're saying and you're promising to that other person and to God that all the things you're promising in it, that I will love you, honor, cherish, obey, um, all these things that we're saying that we're going to do will be we committed to will and and those things weren't taken lightly um you know he he tells us what you know what we're under the contract you know promising you know i think that's something that really gets kind of misconstrued too um in that contract you're telling um i i as the husband i'm uh, promising to uh love my wife and um, and my wife told by God to honor and respect her husband. That's always a funny one because, um, and I think that ruffles some feathers at times too, where we'll, well, you know, what about the man? Uh, the woman's supposed to, you know, the, the female in the relationship is to honor and respect her husband, but, you know, he, what, does the husband not have to honor and respect his wife? You know, in in Scripture, the words mean a lot. Anytime that you look at the meaning of something, it's much deeper than what you're thinking about on the surface. And when God says for the husband, his command to the husband is to love his wife, right? And, and, um, and the wife is to honor her husband. It's not because I'm not supposed to honor my wife. And it's not because my wife is not supposed to love me. It's because it's what comes natural. He doesn't have to command my wife to love me. My wife loves me because it's so natural for her to be loving. 
It's not something he has to tell her to do when she goes to act towards me in ways that she wants to act in a loving way because it's the way she's made. I'm made as men. We're made. Like you look at anything in the in like a, a military setting, men were are made to out of you know work out of honor and respect. And so when we go and do things, it's natural for us to work in from a place of honor and respect. It's not really that natural for us to work in a loving way. So he doesn't say that because he's excluding something from one or the other. He's commanding me as a man to love my wife because it doesn't come natural. It's not something that's easy for me to do. I, I, I don't, I don't, without thinking about it, instantaneously do, do something for my wife that's that's loving. I do things out of honor and respect. I, I have reverence for my wife, but I don't act out in a loving way because it's just, it's not natural to me. And I need to be reminded and told to act in that loving way. It's not because I don't love her. It just doesn't come natural. And it doesn't come natural for my wife to work in a honoring and, and, and respectful way. She does things in a loving way. How does she tell me that she cares about me? She does things for me. She's always doing things for me. Now I do things for her, but I do them like a, things that are like not loving. It's not natural for me to like work that way. You know? So when God gives us a structure and a way to work our marriage, our marriage is to be done in a way that and he instructs us in a way that helps you. He doesn't do it to harm you and to hurt you. He doesn't do it for you to act out with your wife in, in a, in a non-loving way. He says for you to love your wife because you don't do it normally. Guys don't walk around and just hug on each other. Women, when you meet, you women get together and you hug on each other and you're, and you're, you're loving towards each other. And it's not how us men work. Right? It's just it's not natural for us. So that's why. That's why he commands that to us in this covenant is for, for our help and for our benefit. Um, and so a lot of people get offended by that for the wrong reason. It's, it's not the intent of it, it was an instruction. Not a, not a, not a harmful thing. Um, so the other thing that I find fascinating about the marriage, as I was looking <clears throat> more into it and, and really understanding, um, how it's to be done well. Um, and there's a lot of times I have not done it well. Um, I, I don't do things in the loving way that I need to with my wife, not, not near the way I should and not near the amount that I should. Um, and it creates a cycle. Um, if I don't, um, because when I act in a, an honoring and respectful way, but I'm not in a loving and an affectionate way, um, she gets hurt. And when she gets hurt and she's offended, um, she acts out in a, non-honoring way. 
she doesn't act out in a in a, an honoring way. I mean, she may do some more stuff for me in a loving way, but I don't see it. Uh, I see the disrespect, or I see the the non honorable acting towards me, and so that doesn't inspire me to be more loving, and so it becomes a cycle. And and a big part of marriage is the sacrifice for the other one. I have to I have to in order to do it well. And to create a good cycle, I have to ignore some of the times when I feel like I'm getting my feelings hurt or that I don't feel like I'm being respected. And I act in a loving way anyhow, um, not because I'm trying to get something out of it, but because I'm, I'm doing something for the, I'm doing what doesn't come natural because of the love that I have for that other, for my wife. And so, really, marriage is not an attempt to complete me by having someone who is, is a compliment to myself, but the marriage really is me be, acting in more of a sacrificial way and not self-centered. And doing something for someone else. And for me, that happens to be a very, <laughs> a very unnatural thing. Um, but that, that's the purpose in marriage is to understand um, the one who instituted marriage. What his teaching for you is to teach you how to be le- less self-centered and more giving and and loving towards someone else. Um, and if you don't believe me, wait till you have kids because it's even more so with kids. Um, you start to become even less concerned about yourself and even more concerned about somebody else. So, and the other thing that I found really fascinating about marriage was, um, so much symbolism. There's so much symbolism around the actual act of the wedding. Um, the one that probably got me the most was, um, you know, when you have a wedding and you're in the church and you have the bride's, uh, family and friends sit on one side and the groom's family and friends sit on the other side and the bride is walked down the aisle. And then once they are, uh, announced husband and wife, then they walk back down the aisle in front of everybody and and out the front of the of the church um and i i had i was telling somebody this about the other day about and and they were they had just gone to a wedding and they were saying well we're we're not into that separating everybody that you know we're gonna have everybody intermingle and sit wherever you want and um the sad part about that was that that was not being observant there's tradition behind it and Behind most tradition um, is symbolism and meaning in the symbolism. There's meaning on it beyond that. The meaning behind the rest of that is... So in the Old Testament, we had times where we sacrificed animals, right? There was a... They would sacrifice an animal to um, to God and... And um, 
And I think a lot of times we forget about why they did that. And the reason why they did the, the sacrifice of the animals was to, um, to remind those of the one who was coming, that who was going to um, wash away the sins and that his blood would replace yours. His life would be a payment for yours. And, um, and through him, there would be a making right of things. There would be a salvation. And so um, when that was done, the way that the sacrifice was done was that they, the animal would be, um, would be killed and then the body would be laid on the altar and split open down the center. And then as it was split open down the center, it was reminding us, the reminder of it was the reminder of the covenant that God had made with us. Right. And that was the promise of a one that would come uh, and pay for our sins. And so in the reminder of it, the animal sacrifice would be laid in split in half and then the two halves would be separated. And then the person would walk between the two halves of the body in um to show the washing away of the sins through the blood and the sacrifice of the one that would be supplied or the one that would be uh, given to us to, to as a sacrifice. And so in, in replacement of, of you. And so the uh, it was done to remind you of the covenant, right? And it's the same thing in the marriage. It was a covenant. It was a blood covenant, right? It's where we get the idea of a blood covenant, right, was that it was sealed in blood and, and um, to show the, the sacrifice made. And in this covenant between you and your spouse, the family one side and the family on the other side symbolized the sacrifice and the walking down the middle and back through was a reminder, A, of the covenant that God gave, with, gave to us and a reminder of the covenant that you were making with your spouse between you and your spouse, your new spouse, and God. That it was taken seriously. This Seriously in the not just signing a piece of paper, but this was... Promising between a promise between you and God and the other person that you would grow together in sickness and in health, in good times and in bad, that you were in it for the long haul. Not just one, but both of you. That you understood the gravity of what you were doing. This isn't a kind of a little deal. This isn't like, will you be my girlfriend for a long time? This isn't a, um, until our kids graduate, <laughs> do we part? Or until times get tough or until you're really sick and you can't do this or you can't do that or until the laws change and it's not as financially beneficial for both of us to be living together. This is not a deal to be taken lightly. 
And this is a covenant. This is a blood oath and a promise to one another in front of and with God that you would work on this. Because the struggles in marriage, the hard times in marriage, grow you. It's the same in everything else there is in this world. These hard times draw you back to what's important. These tough things that are going on are actually for your benefit. To draw you closer to the one who you made the promise with. Who can you lean on and rely on? I heard a, a saying the other day that I thought was really about marriage that I thought was really good. I can't remember where I heard it, but it was, um, it was to the wife, but it was also, it could easily be to the husband too. But the comment was, if he's doing something wrong, you should not go to your mother and complain to your mother about him. You should go to his mother and complain to his mother about him because she will forgive him. Your mother will not. And that's a really good, really good piece of advice and something that we took and implemented into our marriage that made a difference, I think. That we didn't take our problems outside of our marriage or complaining outside to one of our friends or to our parents, because um, if I didn't, I complained about it, they wouldn't forgive my wife. They wouldn't forgive me from whatever it was that we were complaining about. And always looking back at it going, why does she keep going back to him? Or why, why, does, why does he put up with her whenever, you know, the other day he said, you know, whatever. Um, reality is, is that that should be both of you pulling towards each other to fix what it is that you're having a trouble with. You have to be careful in who you confide in. Taking your troubles outside of your marriage instead of taking your troubles to God and taking your troubles to be dealing with between the two of you. Give yourself parameters. God is a God of organization. He's not flippant. He's not, he's not ridiculous with things that he does. Everything is designed to grow you. And not just grow you in you, but grow you in an understanding and a knowledge of what's important. It's to grow you in a better understanding of what relationship is, what communion is, what fellowship is. Your greatest example is the triune God. The triune God is three in one, is one way that it's explained. And they exist in perfect harmony. They, they, they are complementary towards each other. They are helping of each other. You know, 
that's another hard one to explain too. This one's really difficult because, well, for one, we as people have a tendency to think and work within the concepts and within the parameters of what we see around us. And oftentimes we look at it and we just, we see God as something that is um, a construct, something that we are trying to fit into the framework of what we see and what we know. When in reality, he exists outside of what we see and what we know. He's created all that we've seen and all that we know. And all that we see and all that we know is so full of organization. It's not chaotic. It's made with such intelligence, such beauty in its design, that, I don't know, whenever I look at the triune God, and and it's so you know like well how can three exist in one and one be one God and three persons and I think that it's really simple math. The problem is that we're using simple figures in math: one being three and three being one. God is not represented by the number one. God is infinite. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the, he's the, he has no beginning and no end. He exists outside of time. He's beyond your comprehension, right? When it comes to size and scope. So if he's infinite, we have an infinite number. And if we have an infinite number and we divide infinity by three, it's still infinity. If we times infinity by three, it's still infinity. It's beyond your comprehension, not because it's not incomprehensible. It's just you're thinking so small. That God is greater than anything that you could comprehend. It is simple math. It's three times infinity. It's infinity to in you know, in three, that's the same thing. It's just not one. He's so much greater than one. He's infinite. And he tells us that. And I think all the things that he does, the struggles and the, the hardships and, and everything else, it all kind of comes around to trying to get you to pick your head up. And contemplate him. Pick your head up and and then in the struggles that you're working with, the struggles that you're dealing with in your marriage, in raising a family and doing these things, is it, who better to find out where the answers are at than the one who designed all of it? So purpose in marriage is not the simple reproduction and filling the earth. The purpose in marriage is to find a spouse, find someone else that you grow in your knowledge and understanding of the one who created all things. The one who you make 
this covenant with and to reveal himself in your relationship with the other person. So that's what marriage is. It's another test. It's another test to grow you in an understanding of love, sacrifice, realizing that this whole big thing is really not about you. It's to draw you to a better understanding of who he is. And what's my role in that? My role, my role is to grow my children into a better understanding. Lead my wife. Not lead my wife in the sense of telling her what to do and how to do it. Leadership comes with sacrifice. Leadership comes, and and this is where I have a hard time, is that leadership in my marriage and in my family is not about me. Man, I know it's hard to deal with. I like it when it's about me, in all honesty. I really like it when it's about me. I like I like it all being up. I like a whole lot of Todd. I like a whole lot of stuff about Todd. I like like when Todd gets to do what he Todd wants to do. Todd gets to work out where he wants to go work out, and Todd gets to go ride horses when he wants to go ride horses. And I like it when everything's about Todd. Um. That's not what being a father is about. And that's not what being a husband is about. It's making a whole lot about the creator and a whole lot less about me. So that's why I say a lot of times I'm just an example of what not to do. I don't do it right. I don't do it right a whole lot. But Thank goodness he draws me back towards him. I have to set my eyes on that. I have to acknowledge that. It's a daily work. But that's what um, that's what marriage is about. And and it is um, it's a large responsibility. So there you go, kids. That's what marriage is about. Hope you enjoyed this episode of The Todd Father.